I love reading to my kids at night. It's fun time for us to connect. Hopefully they remember that more than me screaming at them constantly. You never know. A girl can dream. But I do like reading to them. And every night we read Jackson a couple books. Say goodnight and I lay there until he falls asleep. And right now he's really into the Sandra Booten books, which is great. They're a little quirky. They're fun. They're not as annoying to read over and over again. However, I don't know why it is that at some point they get addicted and obsessed with one book. And no matter how good it is, you want to light it on fire. So the book that Jackson's obsessed with is a Sandra Booten book, The Going to Bed book. It's a great book. Sandra Booten books are great. We have all of them. I mean, maybe not all of them because we lose things, but we have majority of them. Well, this one's great. And I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. The sun has set not long ago. Now everybody goes below to take a bath in one big tub with soap all over. Scrub, scrub, scrub. Okay, first of all, I should tell you they're on a boat. I don't know why a whole bunch of animals are on a boat. Maybe they're Noah's Ark and they're taking a bath together. So I'm assuming that they're an age and it's appropriate for a whole bunch of people to take baths together. They hang their towels on the wall and find pajamas big and small. This one's cute because the the little bunnies in the big pajamas. This is adorable. With some on top and some beneath, they brush and brush and brush their teeth. That's awesome. Good hygiene. That's, that's great. And when the moon is on the rise, they all go up to exercise. Say what? They just took a bath. They just put their pajamas on. They brushed their teeth. And now they're going to go up and exercise? That makes no sense. Who in their right mind will get ready for bed and then go decide to work out? Right? You're going to sweat in your pajamas and then get into your bed? It drives me bonkers that this is what they do. Like no one does that. No one gets ready to bed and then works out. Maybe they stretch a little bit. I'll give you that. But they don't work out. These people are jumping rope and running and handstands and lifting weights. Like, no, no, this is wrong. And, it, and in order to help Jackson, who already kind of, you know, with a brain damage needs a little help deciphering how life is going to be, we go ahead and make it clear to him. And when Chris and I read it, we read it like this. And when the moon is on the rise, they all go up to exercise. Because that just doesn't make sense. No one does that. And down once more, but not so fast. Of course, because they just worked out. They're going to be tired because, ah, they're on their way to bed at last. The day is done. They say goodnight. And somebody turns off the light. The moon is high. The sea is deep. They rock and rock and rock to sleep. I mean, I get that. The rest of the book is great. They rock to sleep. They do things together as a family. They brush their teeth. But really, exercise? That's just wrong on so many levels. So I know, okay, this got me thinking to all the other books she writes. They're all really cute. But when you think about it, they all have one moment when you're like, say what? Like, for instance, but not the hippopotamus. It's a really cute book. You know, the hippopotamus is shy. All the other people have friends and are doing things and she's just watching. Oh, not the hippopotamus. But then they all, the whole pack come scurrying back. Come join the lot of us. That's great. They realize a shy person hasn't been in included. They want to include him. 
So they go, hey, come join us. And she goes, I don't know. Should I stay or should I go? But yet the hippopotamus. Great, great book. Wow, good job. Including people who are different than you are shy and don't have the courage to do it themselves. But no, it doesn't stop there. This is where it gets weird. Then it goes, but not the armadillo. Really? What do they have against armadillos? Why can't you include the armadillo? The armadillos are from Texas. What do you have to say about people from Texas? I mean, it would have been a great book, but no, she had to screw it up with the armadillo. Same with Happy Hippo, Angry Duck. Now, don't get me wrong. This is one of my favorites. It talks about emotions and names entertainment. Like, I love this book. However, once again, the very last page. And a difficult mood is not here to say everyone's moods will change day to day. Unless you're that duck. He's always this way. Really? You had to go put that in there? And I have an angry child. I don't want them to feel like they have to get stuck in anger. I want them to move past that, to grow through it. But no, the duck, he's always that way. So I'm sorry, Lexi. You could be angry all that time too. No. You know what? Half the time, I don't want to read that. I just say, everyone's moods will change day to day. That's it. You have the power to choose. I'm not talking to you about the duck. Okay, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> I shouldn't this be upset about books. But I don't get a lot of sleep, guys. And I'm really tired of reading the going to bed book. I think after this, I'm going to go find a match. Hey guys, we have an exciting interview coming up today. We were trying out a new call-in software, and unfortunately, it gave us a little bit of issue. We're not the best with technology, and even though Bobby was amazing and trying to get it all work, she lived in the country, there was bad connection. It is what it is. The interview was great. We really want you to hear her story. So bear with us, and thank you for listening. You're listening to the Mother FN Podcast with Patty Crouch and Heather Dragulescu. So I'm really excited today because we have a special guest on. I do not know her very well. I've only really talked to her for probably about mm, 20 minutes in the line at Disneyland. Because Chris and I were celebrating my birthday without the kids. So we went to Disneyland and I saw this mom there with her family and she had a foster shirt on. And so I went up to her and was like, hey, are you a foster family? And she goes, yeah, I'm. how'd you know? I'm like, you're wearing a shirt. <laughs> yeah. Good job wearing a sign. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you can all tell. Um, so then we started talking and she has an amazing story. And I thought mm. that our listeners would love to hear her story. So on the episode today is Jacinda. Hi, Jacinda. Hi. I'm so excited to join you guys. And um, just such a funny thing to meet up in Disneyland like that and have so much in common. It's awesome. I feel like as adoptive families, we just kind of gravitate towards each other. Like yeah. you can point your yeah. other ones out from like a mile away. There's maybe like some celestial yeah. pull that's like. Maybe it's the yeah. kids melting down. Yeah. <laughs> the tiredness on our face. Right. I, I don't know what it is that points us to each other. Okay. So just said, how many kids do you have? How many are adopted? How many are biological? And what are their ages and gender? Okay. So I have four kids and always 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 known I wanted to adopt since probably when I was like 10 I was like waiting for someone to drop off a baby at my doorstep so that has just always been what I knew I would do one day um but first we had um a 
little biological son. And, um, and then really we just needed to get into a house. And as soon as he was two and we got into a house and had rooms, um, pretty much the day we got our, um, our house closed, we started, um, our foster classes as well. So, um, what state are you in? I'm from Northern California uh, by Lake Tahoe. I'm wondering if there's any differences just in the um, process between Northern California and Southern California. Because we're in LA County. So what County are you in then? Um, uh, I'm in El Dorado County. Gotcha. And so how, how long was that process for you of starting it from, you know, uh, going to your first orientation to getting the, you know, you're good to foster? Yeah, well, we got, we actually got really, really blessed because we were doing it during the summertime. And rather than having like one session a week for six mm-hmm. weeks, they did like a session every night for like two Whoa, weeks. Wow. So we got to do our classes in two weeks. The county just wanted to get a bunch of us through. We live in a small county and they really needed foster parents. And so we got it done in like two weeks. And then I would say is another probably two months because at that time you didn't have to have the home study done first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and now they've changed it. So you have to have the home study done first. Really? And before you take we classes? We just went right through. Before you say it again. Before you take classes or before you accept a kid? Um, before you accepted a kid, you did not have to have um, the your home study done. That's interesting. Yeah. And so I know it's changed now, but at the time it was really pretty quick. It was like two months and we got our home approved and did our background and everything went pretty quick. And then how long were you approved? And then you got your first call. Okay. So that's, what's kind of funny is that my son, my biological son was two and everybody said, you know, it's better to take a child that's younger than your child. So I thought, well, let's try that. And the County kept saying, you know, there's really hardly any children under two. You're going to wait a really long time you should just say like four and under. So we did. And the day we got our license, they called, I'll never forget. She called and said, Hey, I have your foster license here at the office. And there's a newborn baby at our local hospital. Would you be interested? So like we literally brought him home and I went and met him that afternoon and brought him home in two days. Um, They gave Um, you two days to prep? Yes. Oh, wait till you hear about the last child we got. (laughs) Yes. I the, um, we've yeah. never had I've had, the longest I've had is like 40 minutes <laughs> oh 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 because right that was the the last child I had I had like an hour to get down there yeah two wow. days I know it was perfect we had everything set up so we got him and then um so we had our biological son now we have a newborn and our biological son's two we got our newborn and um he immediately had some health issues and we spent a couple of weeks in the NICU and things like that. And then, um, and then CPS called and said, we have a, um, three year, a three-year-old little boy that's really hyperactive and he has, um, autism and he is going to need, um, a concurrent home. And I was like, oh my gosh, we have a two-year-old and a newborn and I'm still kind of a new mom, you know? And yeah, so great way to I, sell at CPS. I know. Yeah, I know. I know exactly. And I'm like, this. I'm thinking, like, this social worker is not making this sounds like a sound like a good situation. So I went in and talked to my husband. I have a really hard time saying no. Of course, yeah, um, of course. I went in and talked to my husband, and he's much better at saying no. And he's like, no. And so I called the social worker back, and I told him my husband said no, but we do have an extra bed, and it was getting kind of late that night. I said, so in the event that you can't find anybody. And you need oh, a bed just your for mistake. tonight. Yeah, there's yeah, your well, mistake. 
that's what my husband said. He said, you said, what? You've heard the stories. We're never going to, he's always going to be here. Yeah. And so I was really, really clear with the social worker. And he said, we will move him tomorrow. But it was my husband who, after an hour of our little three-year-old being here, my husband said, call the social worker in the morning and find out what the situation is. I love him already and I don't want him to leave. So, uh, <laughs> so, and we were like, autism, hyperactive? Like, he's a normal boy. I don't know what you're talking about. He's not autistic. We got all of that cleared and mm. he's a very, um, I mean, other than trauma because he was three and a half and had been to a lot of different homes and seen a lot of different stuff living with his biological dad he's a very normal little boy and now he's my oldest so I did end up taking a child that was older than my son my biological son and that was really really hard for the first two years and now it is beautiful and um God has just worked something really really good out of their relationship they're best friends that's so, awesome that's yeah cool. so um well, I can imagine your, I, so, your bio kid being like, yeah, I have nobody. I'm the only child. Wait, what? A newborn? Who's this uh, kid? What? An older one, too? What are you doing to me? Like, yeah, that would exactly. be hard to adjust to. And that would yeah, take me two years to adjust. Yeah. yeah. The newborn, he was he was thrilled. He's always loved babies. He was like, this is fine. But then when a three-year-old came and took the exact same kind of attention that he took, that's where it really, the jealousy really came in. Um, so that, now we have three little boys. They're three and under. And, um, and we adopt them, um, about a year and two months later from the time that they came to us and we adopted them on the same day. Yeah. It wasn't too long at all. So same day we adopted them and then, um, we re, um, we had to kind of like redo our, uh, not, we just had to, you know, every year you got to update everything. So we um, updated, and this time I said, I, like, since I was pregnant, I wanted a little girl. And um, and I said, I really want a little girl. I told the social worker. And so I would really like a little girl under two. And they called me, like, three times with little boys. And I was just really like, no, I really want a little girl. And, um, and it's funny. It, it really didn't take that long. So that was in November that we adopted the boys. And then, um, and then February, so four months later, um, I got a call one morning. They said, we have a four pound baby girl, um, down in Folsom and, um, we need you to pick her up in an hour. And so <laughs> I down there and she was so tiny. I had to get, I had to stop, drop a, uh, stop at babies R us. And I got a, uh, tiny, car seat that would take a four pound baby and you know preemie clothes and oh ran over to the hospital and yeah, I couldn't even wait for my husband to get off work and I said nope you gotta come get her now yeah. so I brought her home and I was getting on the freeway to come back up to um where we live at in the country and she started screaming like nothing I had ever heard Mm-hmm. And I thought, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and she never stopped screaming. She's three. She's, and we found out she's got a genetic syndrome and she still screams all day long. So I, oh my God. I got my little baby girl I wanted and she's perfect. I wouldn't trade her for anything, but it has been the biggest journey of faith. Actually, her name is Journey Faith. Oh, wow. um, it has been the biggest journey of faith <laughs> that I have ever experienced. It's been very, very hard. So, but good. Um, just kind of going to descriptions of your kids. Are, are any of them, 
you know, uh, I think you're Caucasian, correct? Is your husband Caucasian as well? I am. I am. And you know what's so funny is I always told my husband that we were going to have a rainbow of kids. And we laugh and we say, they're whiter than us. <laughs> so, I mean, the, my two youngest are incredibly blonde. And people say they're white-headed. They're Marilyn Monroe blonde. Wow. And my, my um, you know, people will always say, where did your kids get that blonde hair? Were one of you guys blonde? You know, yeah, yeah, we were. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, you know, they're, they, they look, it's funny, too, how, um, certain ones they they look alike the two youngest look a lot alike but they're not related um so that's the first one we got and then the little girl and then um and then the little boy that was three and my two-year-old son that was two at the time um people think that they're twins so they look a lot alike that's so funny so how old are they now so they're seven six so seven is the oldest little boy we had six is my bio son um four is um the little boy that we got from our local hospital and then three is our little girl the last one that we got okay that's amazing so seven six four and three yeah and uh-huh. what yeah. in terms of and you know tell me if this is too invasive but in terms of prognosis for your youngest because it sounds like she has you know some ongoing issues you know academically what's you know gonna be her outlook I know that's such a good question, a really good question. She is, it's, they, this syndrome is one of those rare ones that they don't know much about. Mm. Um, They know some things that go with it. Some of the scary things that go with it are schizophrenia and seizures and um, panic attacks and anxiety, um, behavioral issues. We see the behavioral end of it. We see the Mm -hmm. anxiety and panic attacks. Um, And she is a little bit delayed. I would say she's about, maybe eight months delayed, but she's not, not I mean, but she's smart, you know? And so, I mean, we homeschool and I'm hoping that all will go well and I can homeschool her. She is in a special needs preschool right now. Um, and she's slower to learn to talk, but, um, I think it's so hard to say. We always kind of say like, are we going to have her forever or is she going to be okay? It's really a mystery to us. Yeah. Which must be nerve wracking. It, it is a little bit. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's one of those things where we've just had to kind of put it in God's hands because we don't know, we don't know what to expect. And it, it is nerve wracking. It's crazy. Well, there's so much out there resource wise that it's like you caught it. They know you caught it early and you know early. So there's so many resources you're giving her now that like really who knows where she can land, even be more cognitively yeah, the resources have been amazing for her. We've had about eight hours of therapy a week in home since she was one. And, um, and I mean, it's just been incredible. I, I contributed a lot to where she's at now because me being a mother with four young kids, when I got Journey, we had four, four and under. And so, you know, you don't, you don't always have time to just sit down and play on the floor with your kids and, and talk to them all day long, you know. Don't you love that when the speech therapist or the OT are like, you need to do this and this. You just look at them going, and I also need laundry and take care of these other three kids and (laughs) cook dinner. Uh Yeah. And then the PT added two things for me to do. I I told them straight out, look, you can give me one thing to do, but that's all I'm going to have the emotional capacity to do. And we'll see. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know. It's so overwhelming. Our oldest, um, we found out about a year ago that he has Lyme disease. 
and the health issues that goes with that and the supplements that he needs and the diet. It is like, how do you expect me to keep up on all of this? You know, um, it's, it's, it's nearly impossible. Yeah. So you basically have two special, one special needs kids and three higher needs kids. That's what I call my oldest who are just kind of, they just, they're dyslexic and they have some trauma things, but so they're higher needs. So they need more than the average kid. Crazy. Okay. So I was really intrigued with your story too. So keep going because I feel like you're going to throw this twist in for our listeners. (laughs) Yeah. So we have our little girl. We're kind of looking at adopting her. It's so now it's, she's almost a year old. She's 11 months old. um, And we're looking at adoption um, being in the summertime in June and it's January. And um, we are doing a lot of genetic testing. Um, and so we don't know what her diagnosis is yet. We're going through a lot. And I get a phone call from a friend that says, Hey, um, I was up at Marshall hospital the other day. And I think that your little girl's bio parents had another baby. And I was like, what? So I, um, I kind of, called CPS and talked to some other people. We're, we're in a really small town, so everybody kind of knows everybody. Yeah. And, um, and I said, I heard that, you know, her bio parents had another baby and come to find out they had had a little boy and he was in the NICU. He was safe surrendered and he was in uh, Sacramento in the NICU. And my heart, he's a full biological sibling. He's not wow. a half and which is pretty rare. Yeah. And, um, I was like, I can't, I can't just let this child go and not know where he goes. But at the same time, my hands are so full. I have a child that I don't know what her diagnosis is. And I got four young children and I don't know what to do. So of course, in the middle of all this, who do you call? You call your best friend and you're crying and you're like, I don't know what to do about this baby. And she, um, she was wonderful. You know, she's like, Jacinda, I will do whatever you know, to help you. And, you know, she's like, I, she's very empathetic and like, I can imagine like, but she was actually going through, she had just started the foster process and she had about two or three months to go before she'd be complete. Okay. And, um, and, and at that now that's just fast forward a couple of years, you do have to have a um, home study by then. Mm-hmm. And so um, she's, she's got a little farther to go. And um, as this kind of went on, it was really interesting just how it all worked out. But she said, I wonder if there's some way we could take him. And I thought CPS probably isn't going to change things, just, you know, get you through the system just so you could have him. So she says, you talk to your social worker and I'll talk to mine and we'll see what happens. Well, that night she went to a foster meeting and before I could say anything to my social worker and she said anything to hers, the social worker um, came to Janice that night at the foster meeting and said, um, started just presenting the story to her about this little boy and said, we feel like you guys would be the perfect family for him. If some other family says no, and that was us, the other family that would say no. And as she's hearing the story, she says, this is my best friend's daughter's full biological sibling. Like, absolutely. We would be interested and these children would grow up together. That's amazing. And so, yeah, so the next day, um, CPS called her and they called me and she said yes. And um, she was able to go 
meet him at the NICU. And I went down a couple days later. It was just amazing. It was so (laughs) surreal that this was happening. So um, he has now been adopted and he, I don't know if I said he was safely surrendered. So it was a relatively easy process. She didn't have visits and things like that. In the time that, because she still had two or three months to go, did they expedite her or did you take him for a while? Yeah, they did. They expedited her. They actually, when they came up to her and had him in mind for them, she said, well, we're not through this yet. And they said, well, we think you guys would be perfect. So we would expedite you through the process. Wow, That's amazing. Uh, we should have adopted in Northern California. We live in the wrong. <laughs> L.A. is not a small city where you no. can just know everybody and know what kids are being uh, around and social workers. Like, no, it's a little bigger. I know. I think it's really personal up here. You know, like, I mean, one of our favorite social workers lives right across the street from me. Oh, my gosh. You know, wow. and his daughter comes over and helps me. Like, it's so small. And, and so, you know, you're really important and they really want you. And you know, you're very valued. I feel like, um, that's awesome. Okay. So how was it for you? I'm going to ask now the emotional questions. I'm a crier. I should probably let you know. So I probably will cry. And I ask the questions that tend to invoke me crying. (laughs) Heather doesn't cry at all. However, so this is my question. Like, what, how was it for you? Like, did it change the dynamic of you and your friend? Like knowing that like, this is your daughter's brother and you're not going to be raising them. Right. Um, at first it was hard. Um, that first probably, um, month or two, it was like, this baby could have been mine, you know? And, and he's, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was difficult at first. Um, I felt so happy for her and so amazed by how it had all worked out, but it was emotionally very difficult to let go. And just to say like, he's not mine and you know, I'm not going to hold on to that. But as far as our relationship goes, it's made us so close because he actually has the same syndrome as my little girl. What? And, um, and they are so much alike. They're very, very tiny. They don't gain weight. They scream, both scream all day long. Two years later, I am happy that I just have my children because my life is so full as it is. And my relationship with her has really grown. She's like a sister to me. My kids call her auntie and it's just wonderful. And to have that support is, um, means so much to me. It's more supportive for me than having another child with special needs. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's crazy that they have the same syndrome. So obviously it's probably hereditary syndrome, but you're not alone. Like, you know, for sure you're not alone in this. Like you have someone going through the exact same thing. And could you imagine screaming in stereo? Like, oh my no, goodness, one no. screaming is crazy. I can't imagine the screaming in stereo. Oh my gosh. I know we laugh and we say, you can only take one child from this family. <laughs> so um so the parents, um, they were homeless and we were both her and I were worried about them. Um, they're very young and um the mom actually has special needs. We knew we live in a small town and we knew that they were kind of wandering around our town and um, we had had friends that had seen them um, but we hadn't seen them and we put a couple of feelers out with friends you know just to say hey if you see them you know can you give them my number because we want to connect with them and make sure that they're okay yeah that that happened one day Um, one of our good friends saw them and said are you guys um, you know this little girl's parents and they lit up and said yeah and they saw the 
the adoptive mom, she's looking for you and she wants to connect with you guys. So here's her phone number and you guys should get in contact with her. So they did, they called that week. And then the next week we went to the park and, um, and I had my little girl with me and, um, my best friend was with, um, me as well. And she did not have her son because he was safely surrendered. And it was kind of a hush hush thing when they're safely surrendered. It had to be a little bit different at the time until he was adopted. So that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, uh, her and I are there and they're telling us that they're pregnant again. Oh my gosh. Um, we're just like, Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Uh, they told us, they said, we're going to, there are 15, 16 weeks, somewhere in there, 15 to 16 weeks. They said, we're going to get down to Planned Parenthood this next week. And I'm like, you're 15 weeks. Like you have a pretty developed baby in there. Yeah. I didn't say anything though. Yeah. I, I was, I just kind of kept it, kept it shut. And, um, and then I talked to my husband. I was like, this is like crazy. What do you want to do? And he's like, let's, let's like see if we can take them out to dinner. Like they'd be, th- they'd be thrilled to have dinner. We'll take them out to dinner. And, um, and like, we'll just take them a picture of what a baby looks like at that, you know, that far along, they might not realize how developed their baby is. Yeah. So we, um, we took them out to a hundred dollar Chinese food meal. Oh my they got everything on the menu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was cheap Chinese food, but it was a hundred dollar bill. Um, and we laugh about our hundred dollar Chinese food bill for that baby. <laughs> and we showed them a picture and they were like, Oh my gosh. Like they actually took the picture and they hung it up and they had now got a low income apartment by this time. This is just over like the span of a month. They were able to get into a low income apartment. They hung up that picture in their low income apartment and they kept that baby. Wow. So now fast forward April, this is um, about a year after the last one. And I am out working in my garden and biological mom calls me and says, hey, I'm down at the hospital, and I'm in labor, um, and she knows I'm a doula. She's like, can you go pick up my boyfriend, and can you come and hang out? So I did, and I got to see little girl, the little girl be born. Wow. My goodness. So this is the one yeah. that, that they were going to keep? Like she, or is this, did she get pregnant um, again? That the biological parents were going to keep? Yes. Um, they, they thought they were going to, but we knew okay, so that it's this, that was it's not the same pregnancy. I'm making sure that it's you didn't this, have another yeah. one. My mind gets pregnant a lot. So you got to, you know, count the numbers. You have how many? Mine too. So. Right. So this is pregnancy number three. So my best friend has baby number two. And then this is. So you got, she trusted you enough to call you and you got to see her be born. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And all through this pregnancy, my best friend and I were saying, which one of us is going to take it? And I said, well, if it's a girl, I would love to have another girl. I think, you know, if it's a girl, I'm definitely considering it. And we were having crazy dreams. You know, she'd say a dream because I dreamed it was a girl and you took it. And, you know, and so we were just, this was constantly on our mind. We were taking the family food um, throughout the end of their pregnancy. Like we were just building a relationship with them. So I think that's why they trusted us. And, um, and so it, it, this baby came out and I about passed out. It was a beautiful baby girl. And did the baby come like, out screaming? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. This one doesn't scream all the time. It's actually amazing. But she does have her own her own set of special needs. So um, she's got, yeah, her own stuff. So over the next four days that mom was in the hospital and the hospital is trying to figure out what to do with the baby and CPS is involved, the dad, the boyfriend goes to jail like the night the baby was born. Oh. Right after being there, I took him home and 
dropped him off at their apartment and he gets arrested and goes to jail. So I'm there with this mom a lot and just kind of being there for her um, as he might be. And I'm even going to the jail to visit him for her so that she can tell him that CPS is taking the baby. You know, um, it was like, wow, how do you find yourself in this situation? Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, my best friend and I, we really thought a lot about this baby and we prayed a lot about it. And something had come up about four days before it was born. And that was that another dear friend of ours had just gotten licensed for foster life, their foster license. And so as we thought about it and just kind of discussed what to do and spent a lot of time in prayer, we just knew that this was her baby. We just kept saying, this is her baby. And so we called her and we said, we feel like this is your baby. (laughs) And she cried. She was so excited. They were thrilled. It was interesting being on the other end of it all. I was there with the biological mom when they removed the baby and um, just comforting her and seeing her sadness. It was really heartbreaking, um, but very eye-opening to see the other end of all of this. And um, so our good friend got to take home, um, or got to meet that little baby girl that night and then take her home the next morning. And so um, us three moms, we are um, all really close and we get together for family Christmases and for play dates and we talk constantly. Um, so we're, we're very, very close, the three of us. Was it easier for you to be like, this isn't my child, this is her child and roll into that um, and roll easier than it was the first time? Uh, yeah, I'd say instead of two months, it took me one month. (laughs) Um, yeah, it was, it was still, still a little bit difficult, especially because it was a a little girl and I wanted a little girl so badly, but, um, yeah, it's definitely, um, definitely been easier this time around. It's just kind of becoming what, what I do, you know, I let go of these babies and they're with dear friends and, um, and it's definitely getting easier. So, um, Fast forward now to November of this um, this last year, they text me and said we're pregnant. Oh my god! Can you gosh. get us down to plan? Yeah, can you get us down to Planned Parenthood this next week? And I'm like, you guys know who you're calling yet? I don't usually take you to Planned yeah. Parenthood. <laughs> um, so I took them to a um, local ultrasound van here um, that they don't like to go to the doctors. They feel like the doctors and CPS are in you know, in cahoots with each other. Uh, so I took them to a, yeah. So I took them to a van and, um, they did an ultrasound. They really loved on them so much. And, um, it was like a van that's at a church and they have an ultrasound and they have all sorts of resources and they loved on them and they sent them home with beautiful handmade baby items. And they were just so sweet. And once they saw that little bouncing baby in there again, about 15 weeks, they, um, they change their mind. Oh, okay. So um, right now they always have their babies early. They're due in early June and we're just saying kind of any day, probably April or May. You know, I, I've really learned to let go of all this. I've learned that it's all been worked out. I know that God's got a plan in all this, but there is a, another local family that all three of us moms are kind of looking at that we think is a, a possibility. Oh, so just, there might be a fourth mom. You're just doing CPS's job for them. And this baby will go to there. And yes, I know. And it's really so beautiful and special that CPS listens to us. You know, when, when we made a suggestion for um, this last mom that got the little girl, that's our friend, they said, okay, we'll call them. And so it's really amazing that they 
listen to us and that they realize that they're keeping these siblings together um, through this. And it, it's in, in a different way, but they are keeping them together. It's, it's pretty cool. I, I'm excited to see as these kids grow up and I think about them as they're teenagers and young adults, that they're just, they're going to have more family and be more supported. And, you know, they're going to have these, these full biological siblings that they're going to have things in common yeah. with. And it's just going to be really, really special. Yeah. I, so I have so many questions right now. Like my head is beaming with questions. So for the question for the last one, I'm curious how they're going to answer when they say, so how many sisters and brothers do you have? Well, I live with like three, but then my, uh, my, I have my brother who lives with three <laughs> and then I have my sister who lives with two. And so I only have my parents, but I have all these aunts. And then I have their aunts that are actually my parents' aunts, like siblings, like their families. It's going to be so hard to draw that family tree, which is why that stupid project. That's crazy. I know it is crazy. I know it's, it is going to be so crazy. Um, you know, I feel like so often, you know, kids that are adopted, they, they really miss like that biological connection. But I feel like for these kids, they, they won't. So yeah. it'll, there are a lot of questions will be answered. That's awesome. Yeah. That's always great. Cause my three have four or five of, I can't remember anymore. Siblings, half siblings out there. I have the three biological siblings. I can't give them answers yeah. beyond one of them about where they are or what's going on or how they're doing. Right. And that causes so much right. stress in my eldest child of where, what, how, you know, are they safe? Are they okay? So that's going to relieve so Absolutely. much of that stress off of them. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I have to say too, that, um, uh, this was back probably before I had adopted, I was walking with a really good friend. She's our pastor's wife. And, um, we were out walking on the walking trail one day and she was telling me that um, they had got a call for another biological sibling to their two kids and that they had said no. And I didn't understand that at the time. I thought, how could you say no to your kids' siblings? You know, and you really have to be in the situation to understand that. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't imagine really if I would have said yes, I would be giving my four kids that I have so much less, you know, yeah. Yeah. but really because I did say no and they are with friends. I gave them, I've given them all more. I've given all my kids more support. Yeah. Probably about eight months after we had been matched with our three and we were going through a lot because they were severely abused. We got a call about one of the siblings if we wanted him. And I think he was about nine months, 10 months old at the time. And I had to say no. One, because his biological father was one of their abusers. And they had such mm -hmm. a negative feeling towards him that I did not know what that was going to do bringing him into right. the mix. Yeah, you have to protect the children that you have yes. and give, you know, the ones that you have, you have to give them, you know, and our little girl needs so much of me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be helping her by taking her siblings. Right. I, I actually practice my no because of my special needs little guy. It's like, I, it's not fair for my husband. It's not fair for anyone in this family and right. myself. I mean, me included. Right. Yeah. If we took on another one, even if they were neurotypical, yeah. like it's just not, I'm stretched enough yeah. that I can't, I, I agree oh, with you. Totally. You have to be in that situation at that moment, you know, like mm -hmm. you need to evaluate when it's happening. You so know? while now you have four kids who are under 10, you've got a, a ways to go with them. What do you think about in the future for more kids? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, we have talked so much about that. I'm, um, I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm 33. I'll be 34 in a couple months. I feel like, I, I mean, part of me would love, this has been such a struggle because part of me would really love to have more, but I feel like journey 
my little girl has been a baby for three years. She has cried and screamed and she's hard to take on any kind of trips. You just can't take her camping. You can't go anywhere. Um, she's really, really tiny. So she's very much like an infant. She's the under the, she's smaller than most one-year-olds I know. And so I, um, I feel, I keep saying, I feel like I finally see this light at the end of a dark tunnel. Mm -hmm. And I am just so excited to actually just get to enjoy my kids. Like when I can actually take all four kids out by myself one day, that is light at the end of the tunnel right there. You know, like I, I can't really like as much as I really, really would love to have, um, one or two more. Um, and especially I'd love to have another little girl. I just see light at the end of the tunnel and I don't want to start over. So (laughs) I get that. You're like grandkids will be fun. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And plus, because I homeschool, I have to think about the dynamic of I have four kids that are all within a, you know, four years apart from each other. If I waited five years and then I had another one, then I'm trying to homeschool these kids who are all around the same level. And then I have a baby and these babies, you know, toddlers, they get into everything and you're having a hard time getting school done. I like to really have fun in my homeschooling and I don't like to just do book work. I like to make it fun and hands on. And so it would make it very difficult to, I mean, journey has made it very difficult to do that. Um, I have had to, I've had to, um, one little aspect is that, you know, you get adoption assistant, the adoption assistance program. Mm -hmm. So you continue to get a certain amount of money for the kids. And we were going to a psychologist for or a counselor for one of our, for our oldest, you know, I was just breaking down so much at that time. This is a few years ago, about two years ago. And um, like really kind of getting a little bit nutty. My husband was like, I'm a little worried about you. Mm-hmm. I hear that. It wasn't happening all the time, but a little more than it should. Um, counselor said, so where are you, where, where, where did your adoption assistance program money go to? And I said, well, you know, we got special diet. So it goes, a lot of it goes to our groceries and some supplements and um, that our kids need and things like that. And I said, and then we save for our kids for college. And she said, wait, she said, stop. She's like, you're not going to have kids that are healthy for college if you can't keep it together now and give them the time and energy that they need to go to college or to go to trade school. And she's like, you have got to, she's like, I want you to stop saving for a while. And she said, and take that money and invest in getting help during the day at at the house. So I did, I started getting help and I still um, have help a couple nights a week. Um, I'm kind of phasing out of that now that my little girl is going to preschool and I can homeschool at home without her being here. But I mean, I was going nuts, you yeah. know, and finally getting help where someone could mm-hmm. just take out my screaming little girl and go play with her and give her the attention that she needs. That was so necessary for me. Yeah. I think that's one of the strange stigmas about being a foster adopt parent that nobody who, you know, admires you for being so brave and so amazing really wants to hear that you are probably going to be depressed for a, a period yeah. and you're going to go through your own grief yeah. and you're going to have these really low moments emotionally and mentally and physically. And nobody wants to hear that. It's going to suck real bad for a while. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't think I ever really imagined this. I, I kind of always see the glass like half full. So I just mm-hmm. imagine this beautiful life with our adopted kids. And what I kind of see now, and there's probably some sort of word for it or something. Like I imagine there's, something that I'm sure you guys have probably experienced when you're fostering and you want to get these kids adopted, 
it is like this crazy high, like you're on this journey mm-hmm. and you're calling your friends before court and you're like, Hey, say a prayer for me. And you know, and then you're telling people like, this is what's going on. And we're so excited. And it looks like we're going to get to adopt them. And then you have like this adoption aftermath, like the mm-hmm. years later, yeah. you know, even now it's been uh, almost two years since we adopted our little girl and three years since we adopted our boys. And it's like, we're picking up these pieces of our broken children and just trying to help them and help our children through and putting these pieces back together of all that they've been through. But when you're fostering, you're not really thinking as much about all that because yeah. you're just trying to get through to the adoption part. And then, and then this you know, is and then now. you've adopted. And, I, I yeah, honestly and, believe there's an know, equivalence to postpartum depression for adoptive parents. Yeah, absolutely. Where absolutely. You go into a sudden depression because now you're breathing. Now it's done. And now I think the gravity and the reality of the situation really starts to hit. Well, now it's long term. Like before you're living in that limbo, at least yeah. in my our fostering journey, where it's like, is mom going to get him back? Is mom going to get him back? Is mom going to get him back? And so exactly. you're, mm-hmm. you're more living short term. Short, yeah. You're living short term. So when you sign yeah, that paper, so it's long term. And then all of a sudden it's yeah. like, whoa. And while there's still technically resources there after you adopt, for me, a large part of the grief was all these people who suddenly exited my life. Social workers. The social workers who were like my little mini therapists to check in during the week. Oh, yeah. Were gone. Exactly. You have no more support. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's it's crazy. Yeah. And people are not saying like, oh, you know, like, you know, tell me about how this is going. And we've just been thinking about you. We've been praying for you as you're getting through this. You know, we, you know, and then it's just, they're just your kids. Yeah. And it's equivalent to after just... six or seven weeks when the child's three months old, when someone has a biological child and yeah. they're turned three months old, that support ends too. Like yeah. everyone just leaves. Like newborns are where it's at. So fostering's where it's at and newborns. And then all <laughs> of a sudden everyone disappears and you're still going, I still need you. So here's how mm-hmm. the cycle needs to work. You have your baby till three months, and then you put it into the foster care system, and you never adopt. <laughs> what? I don't know. That's when they, the baby's right. going to get the most support. <laughs> You're crazy. Right, right. Okay, so this is, we'll find a way around this. We ask this question to everyone. Um, what is the one thing that you wish you would have known that you would tell other foster parents going into it? Like something that you like, I wish someone would have told me this. That's a great question. Um, yeah, I think it would actually kind of be going back to that, that it, it's not all going to be, you know, perfect and beautiful. And, you know, you see it as like this fantasy and this beautiful, you see pictures of adoption and it just looks beautiful and it's in, you know, beautiful lighting. And, mm-hmm. and that's just, that's not what it's going to be like, you know, it's, going to be um really really hard and broken and um and 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 having a amazing community around you I can't imagine doing this without you know having so many people around me that have adopted we have a great community of um foster adopt parents here in El Dorado County and I would say like build your community start knowing who has adopted before you go through this one thing that I did um, really, I really thought this out before we, um, before we even started our foster license, I interviewed, um, 10 different moms that I knew had adopted. I didn't even hardly know them, but I found them and I started interviewing them and just, I wanted to know every detail. I wanted to know the good and the bad. And so, um, that, 
really, really helped. Um, I'm sorry, I have a child crying in the no background. Um, um, that really, um, that really helped though, for me to already have a community, already have women that were very experienced that I could call. And so I tell people that too. I'm, I say, Hey, before you adopt or before you foster, um, you know, interview some people that have and talk to them and start to build your community. That's huge. Did they warn you by the way? Did they say this, what you, you know, like, hey, it's going to be tough. Oh, um, you mean the foster class? Oh, the, the moms that I talked to. Yeah. Yeah, they did for sure. Yeah, there was some very tough stories that I heard, but I don't know why. I've always been the kind of person that's like, oh, that won't happen to me. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just always that way. Like, life is beautiful and we'll be okay. You know, you just, I think until I'm in it, I don't really think a whole lot about it. I'm so. too proud. I'm like, okay, but I could handle that or I could do this or I'll handle that right. this way. And like, you almost, I took it like pridefully and then I was humble. Right. We all have <laughs> our own way of like skirting around it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to clarify, uh, clarification on something real fast. So you got a screamer and your uh-huh. best friend, the first one, got a screamer. Did the third mama get a screamer? She didn't. She and the this one is not showing up to have the same syndrome either. They feel like she has some sort of syndrome, but it's not anything showing up on blood work. And she's she's a little um, higher needy in personality, but she's she's not a screamer. She has had some other health issues um, and some hearing problems and things like that it's been in a very different aspect than what my best friend and I have dealt with. I was, I immediately was thinking like, is there any resentfulness that comes up of like, Oh, or just like, can I trade? Yeah. Can I, can I switch? <laughs> right. You know, I am, I honestly, I am so crazy about our little girl. She is the kind of child that everybody stops you and says, Oh my gosh, she's so cute. How old is she? She's just so teeny tiny, so delicate. Um, I mean, her little wrist, all of her bones are just so small. She's got the wildest, silly personality. I mean, people just adore her. They don't know what I go through at home, yeah. but um, people just adore her. And I, I adore her. I'm crazy over her. At the same time, I need really long breaks from her oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, to help me be crazy over her. But, um, you know, and there are times that I'm not feeling crazy over her at all. Sure. But um, I I just feel like I wouldn't trade her for anything. Like I'm, I tell her all the time, I say, I'm nuts about you, Journey. So we have our last question. It's okay. a quick, quick, quick okay. one. And then we'll let, it, let you go take care of your little one. Do you fold your underwear or do you not fold your underwear? Oh gosh, I hire someone to fold my underwear. <laughs> she seemed full. I don't know. She seemed no fold because she doesn't fold it personally. I don't I know. And I for a while I hired my dad to fold my underwear. Guys, I don't even care who folds my underwear. I don't care if they're stained. I don't care what's going on with them. Just like get them in the drawer. And honestly, I don't really care if they're folded or not. Just come and fold my laundry. It's awesome. hey. <laughs> it is folded. So. I don't I we'll debate this later. We appreciate you sharing yeah. your story with us. Thank you for taking the time and go take care of that little one. Yeah, it was so fun. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. And keep us posted. I'll keep okay. you posted on what happened with the fourth mama coming into the mix. I will. I will. Uh, yes, for sure. I would love to let you guys know about that. Okay. Have a good one. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. The Mother Effin Podcast is hosted and produced by Patty Crouch and Heather Dragulescu. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And don't forget to visit us online at mothereffinpodcast.com.